0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 100 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with my good friend and colleague Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a look at a compliance topic literally going into the weeds to take a deep dive on the subject. Today we take a look at the Michigan State University reorganization of its compliance function by uh, deleting it as a separate entity and rolling it into the new Office of Audit, Risk, and Compliance. We ask, or rather explore, whether or not this is a good idea given the all-encompassing scandal Michigan State is involved in with uh, Larry Nassar. We take a look at the leadership of Interim President John Engler and whether he really understands or even gets compliance. It's a fascinating exploration of a very timely topic, unfortunately one that will be haunting Michigan State for years to come. This is Tom Fox. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds with Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, and as we now know, the coolest guy in compliance. So, Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast that takes a deep dive, literally going into the compliance weeds each week. Today, we're going to revisit a topic that's near and dear to my heart and something that Matt has written on uh, a couple of times now, and that's the ongoing imbroglio at Michigan State University. So, Matt, first of all, welcome, and thanks uh, for uh, writing about this, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what's going on at MSU. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Um, it's always a pleasure
1: to be here. So this streaked across my radar screen earlier this week where um, apparently Michigan State, under the leadership of acting president John Engler, former governor of Michigan, the, the, the whole state of Michigan, um, John Engler had announced in June that as a result of the ethics and compliance scandal involving the university and Larry Nassar, the Michigan State-affiliated doctor who had abused hundreds of women with the U.S. gymnastics team over many, many years. And apparently the university turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to those complaints for decades. Um, as a result of that Larry Nasser mess that had happened... Uh, John Engler said Michigan State was going to create a new Office Office of Ethics, Risk Management, and Compliance, and he announced that last June to much fanfare, and now the fanfare has faded because this week he announced that that idea is being reorged out of existence. Uh, So now they are going to have the Ethics and Compliance function at Michigan State report into a new Office of Audit, Risk, and Compliance starting, I think, uh, on November 1st, which was yesterday, Uh, and that whole office will be headed up by Michigan State's head of internal audit, a woman by the name of Marilyn Tennant, who has been heading up audit there, I think, since 2015 or 2013, but she's a longtime internal audit professional, and now she'll be heading up this new amalgamated office related to risk management, And, uh, and here we are.
0: Uh, so it's actually Marilyn Tarrant.
1: Tarrant, uh, thank you.
0: Tarrant, but um, the uh, I guess Matt, a uh, couple of things. First of all, um, as a uh, full full disclosure, I'm an MSU grad, so I do have a fair amount of passion around this. And what I see is a couple of things. First of all, uh, I have to say I just don't think John Engler gets compliance. Uh, He did agree to a settlement, a massive settlement, and I do acknowledge that. It's unfunded at this point by the Michigan legislature, so it's unclear where the money will be coming from. But he did uh, get that off the table, uh, which was certainly positive. But going forward, I just uh, have a lot of difficulty uh, seeing the positive nature of what this move could be, particularly where we now need – not only transparency and hyper-transparency, but a full cultural change away from business as usual. When uh, you point out correctly so, there are examples of other universities and educational institutions and nonprofits uh, who have a structure of compliance in, in audit, audit risk and compliance. But I just think in this situation, you've got to have compliance front and center with a direct report to the board uh, with a chief compliance officer saying business as usual is not acceptable here. And because of uh, the situation we are in, we're going to go the extra mile. And um, I just don't see that in this move. Uh, You know, that's the thing, and I,
1: I, I don't think you're wrong to bring that up. I might shade it out a little bit where you say that John Engler doesn't get compliance. I think he doesn't get the culture of ethics and compliance component of what all of this should do. I think that he does probably get the idea that there should be policies and procedures and steps followed and systems and escalation procedures and blah, blah, blah. No one cares. Nobody in Michigan cares about that. And that's what sets aside this scandal from others is that there is this enormous uh, public constituency that a lot of, I think, uh, corporate organizations wouldn't necessarily have and probably even a fair number of colleges wouldn't have – You know, if you're a private college, really, it's not the same as being a state run institution where taxpayers and the public feel like they have a claim on your on your organization because they do. Um, And that's Michigan State with that constituency and then just the horrendous sense of betrayal that lasted for so long at Michigan State. Like that's about ethics and culture and showing your constituencies that they are heard when they raise Alarms, um, not just that. If they want to raise an alarm, here is Form 16B. Please fill it out and triplicate, and then we'll investigate. Engler seems to get that that part of it, the the dry, desiccated thing. Um, so he's not wrong to say this could work, but you know the, uh, the 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 ethics and the cultural component of this and the nuance there, I I don't see that reflected here yet. We could be wrong. Perhaps Marilyn T- uh, Tarrant does have a good gift for that, but traditionally that is not something a career audit person would spend a lot of time on compared to a career ethics and compliance person. Uh, yes, that Marilyn Tarrant as head of this new office will answer directly to the university president and the board of trustees. That's a one step in the right direction. Um But I I think about, you know, I would put it to John Engler. Let's say Marilyn uh, Tarrant at some point that she moves on, would an ethics and compliance officer with that background, would a person like that also be able to manage this office of risk audit and compliance easily? Is it tilted to audit and risk management, or is it tilted more to cultural um, being attuned to cultural nuance around ethics and good conduct? I, I don't know, but that's my concern with
0: with what we've done in this case. So uh, let's even throw in the third lieutenant, uh, Steve Kurtz, Kurtz, uh Anyway, he's the IT internal audit director. And I yes. would even submit that uh, data privacy, data protection at a state school is an extraordinarily important function. And uh, that that role could take as much time as the uh, burgeoning need for compliance going forward.
1: Uh, I think so. And so before we get ahead of ourselves here, just for everybody listening, in addition to Marilyn Tarrant running the Office of Audit Risk and Compliance, there are going to be now three sub lieutenants reporting into her. Uh, One is a person named Ryan O'Rourke, who is already on staff. He will be head of internal audit finance and operations. And then, uh, Tom, as you mentioned, Steve, I guess it's Kernsk, um, he'll be the IT and Internal Audit Director, more for information technology, uh, and then a third new position uh, for Institutional Ethics and Compliance Director. So in case anybody in Michigan is looking for an interesting gig, there you go. Um, but I do think that certainly like Michigan State, 59,000 students alone. We haven't gotten to faculty. We haven't gotten to staff. This is a large organization. So how many of them are European nationals that are subject to the GDPR, where the GDPR really expects a relatively senior person to be in charge of privacy? And I'm not sure that a um, internal audit director would necessarily be that. Maybe there is a chief privacy officer elsewhere in the university. I'm not aware of that. But wouldn't that compliance concern roll into this office? I don't know. Um, but so much of this, it does like Michigan State is a very big and diverse range of regulatory compliance and risk management needs. And i I don't know that fitting them all into one office is really like, is that going to be practical? I'm not sure.
0: So Matt, one of the things I don't think we've really explored on this podcast is the structure of a corporate compliance function or a compliance function. Uh, this move by Michigan State really moves our discussion in into the structure of a compliance program, and as you note, uh, that is can be one of the indicia of how seriously an organization takes compliance. I was wondering what your thoughts might be on. Why or why not a compliance office should be a standalone office in this situation uh, for Michigan State? Uh, what are some of the other considerations besides just doing compliance? Well, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, I think just the the gesture
1: it would send to the public about how seriously you take the cultural and ethical challenges that Michigan State has to fix um, that alone is worth thinking. You know, should we maybe just have a dedicated office of ethics and compliance? Um, and you know, I I somewhat wonder: Are we? Are, is Michigan State doing this simply as a cost-cutting move? Because, as you said, John Engler did agree to a settlement of I I think it's five hundred million dollars for all of these claims, um, but all of Michigan State's annual budget is 1.3 billion so this is nearly half of its budget on an any year that's all going to go to the legal settlement where does that come from nobody knows maybe there'll be a special assessment from the legislature or something like that but you know cost cutting and frugality are going to be the watchword for Michigan State for a long time and if any of that is driving this thought here I'm not really sure that's going to work um, My other concern is, if this arrangement does not work, if if for some reason, five or 10 years from now, some other scandal comes to light and it, it you know, something that happened after Michigan State had already had this searing lessons from Larry Nasser, and then something else went wrong, like this decision here in, in that potential future world, that would look terrible in hindsight. Everybody would be screaming that we can't do this. Um so I do wonder if, you know, is, is this really going to be f- versatile enough and robust and flexible enough to handle the sort of challenges that are coming along? But so much of the challenge is just going to be showing Michigan State's constituencies, we hear you and we're paying attention to this. Um, if I can di- digress for two more moments. One of the other articles that I did write earlier this summer, when John Engler announced the first incarnation the office of ethics and compliance. Um, he wrote that, or he announced that. And then a columnist for the Detroit free press, her name was Rochelle Riley. Uh, she lit into this whole idea and that whole original statement from John Engler, because here he was talking about escalation procedures for red flags. And, and Riley had said, red flags don't catch people people catch people. And maybe if people at Michigan State had been listening to other people, we could have caught all of this a long time ago. And back then in June, I was writing about how Riley is really talking right past all of the procedural stuff that Engler was thinking of. She's talking about human interests and compelling concerns that they have and showing the the whole organization that, you know, we will listen to people um, regardless of whatever the procedures might be. And that it's that like animus out there among the Michigan public. That's what has to be paid attention to. And I think you pay attention to it more by having a dedicated office of ethics and compliance. I don't care if you talk, you know, say the, the chief listener of ethical concerns and just have that person get beaten down by people complaining all day long. I know it's a big university. I know there's a lot of people who will come with crazy complaints, but this is now going to be the job because they didn't hear the Larry Nasser complaints and they just cast a pall over everything else Michigan State has been trying to do because they messed that up so severely. Um, so that that's kind of where I come down on those
0: issues. So I think, Matt, we're just going to have to keep watch on this one and see where uh, the story may go next. Indeed. As always, Matt, a pleasure. I've been visiting with Matt Kelly on our Compliance into the Weeds, not Radical Compliance. That's Matt's podcast. So, Matt, as always, thank you. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at radical at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you'll join us again next week where we take a deep dive into another compliance topic, literally going into the weeds to geek out and explore the topic. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This
1: podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.